You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. Everybody, it's Marcus D'Angelo, and we're back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And of course, you know this guy, it's the Hall of Famer, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. And uh, Ted, we just came off a pretty tough week here. Yeah. Um, it's not been a good work uh, week in, uh, in wrestling in general. Uh, they, you know, they say things always happen in threes, and um, there's somebody that that I, I, whose name I can't remember right now, now who recently died. But then uh, my tag team partner, Mike Rotunda's boy, you know, Wyndham, who's Bray, Bray Wyatt, uh, passes away. And uh, uh, oh my gosh, you know, bang. And then, and then uh, Terry Funk was one of the greatest wrestlers in my opinion, of all time. Um, he's a guy who could do it all. He could be as scientific as his brother, Dory, Dory Funk Jr. I know Dory, Dory's a great wrestler. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, an NWA world champion uh, for, I think, four years. And it was great. But most of Dory's work is kind of like uh, wrestling in and out of hold. And, and you know, but... But Terry could do all of that, and and uh, what Dory never seemed to be, do is Terry could be the wildest orangutan in the ring. He could just go from, you know, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but he could do it all. But more than his, that more than his wrestling uh, talent or skill, Terry was like a big brother to me. I. Uh, uh, a little history, I mean, uh, our fathers, Dory Funk Sr. and my dad, who wrestled as Iron Mike DiBiase, were the best of friends. And I think I, I've mentioned this before, but they had what is considered the longest professional wrestling match in history, a three-hour and almost 20-minute Texas death match in Amarillo, Texas, uh, in 1966. Um, and... Uh, I don't want to get into any of, of what that means and, and how and how they did it, but um, you know, we're originally our home was Omaha, Nebraska, and I can remember uh, driving from Omaha down to visit my my grand my grandmother, my grandparents, my mother's mother, in Wilcox, Arizona, 
and we always came. We didn't have to go through Amarillo, but we we would always go through Amarillo. We'd, we would always stop and stay and visit with the funks overnight. And uh, they they lived out in the country. Uh, Dory Sr. had a big ranch and a lot of cattle and uh, and everything. Um, and, of course, that was back in the days of uh, the serious cafe, but he was out in the country, so when, when nobody really worried too much about, you know, being spotted. Um, but just, um, I don't know why. I just remember this one, one day now I'm, I'm a kid, uh, you know, like, uh, okay. 1966, I was born in 54. So 54, 64, I was 12 years old. And, uh, so Terry, uh, gets me up on a horse with him and, and, and we're, we're, we're going around and I asked him, I said, I said, Terrier, you know, are there any rattlesnakes out here? And he says, Oh yeah, we, we see him every now and then he says, Hey, what is, if we see a rattlesnake, I, I tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to let you off the horse. I'm going to leave you here to watch the snake. And I'm going to go back uh, to the house and, 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 and grab the gun. And I looked at him, you know, with this look on my face, and, I, and he started laughing. And I said, "You ain't leaving me out here." <laughs> uh, he, he was just a uh, a funny guy too. I mean, unbelievable performer, but just a person. I mean, uh, the the whole family thing. Um, we go, we went back to Nebraska, and. Uh, and then I uh, went my freshman year of high school to uh, Catholic prep school, Omaha Creighton Prep, uh, um, tough school. Uh, all the instructors were Jesuit priests, and, and they're, they're kind of like drill instructors anyway. Uh, but uh, I had a good year in sports. I mean, uh, freshman year, I played on a – we had a freshman football team that went undefeated six, six games – and then uh, they moved me up to the uh, junior varsity team. Also had, a, you know, they had a team, and uh, you know, I you know played two more games with them. And then basically, what what my dad saw was that I had talent. That that uh, um, I was possibly you know going to go go places in football. His thought was, let's go let's go back to Texas. Texas is uh, famous for. It's high school football programs. It's just nuts. I mean, there are so many kids that go on to play in colleges all over the United States that came out of Texas high schools. Um, anyway, so we go back to Amarillo. And uh, this is, uh, you know, this this would be the summer of 1969. And we'd only been there like a month. And uh, my dad has a heart attack in the ring in Lubbock, Texas, and, uh, and, and, and dies on the operating table in the hospital. Uh, just crushed me. Um, and uh, again, once again, the Funk family are right there for us. And uh, so we go back, I, I go back to, to Arizona where my mother's parents live in this little town, Wilcox, Arizona. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I had dreams of playing college football and, and uh, you know, I was looking at this little town and very familiar with it. Cause you know, my grandparents lived there. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, it was like, can my dreams come true here? And make a long story short, I did very well in football, uh, even though we were a Division II team. And uh, I had already signed a letter of intent to play football at the University of Arizona. And I turned on TV one day, and, it, and, it, and it's wrestling. I haven't seen any wrestling, Marcus, in three years. Wow. And I could tell it's this is, this is the tape out of Amarillo, Texas. And so they, you know, they made the, you know, said coming to Tucson, you know, the, you know, you know, the Funks, you know, Dory Funk Senior, uh, Dory Funk Junior. The first time they came, uh, it was just Senior Junior. But then I went to see them, and uh, they were like, "Oh my gosh, we're going to be back in two weeks. Terry's going to be with us. Come back and see us." And I did. And Terry said, uh, "He said, he said, hey Teddy, he said." Uh, even if you, you know, if you're, if you're going to go to Arizona, great, but I can get you a recruiting trip to West Texas state. Uh, and if for nothing else, just, you know, it's a free trip, come back and visit the school and, uh, and, and just basically see everybody. So I took that recruiting trip and I mean, I, you know, and, 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 and a lot of people and, you know, there it is. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, I'm about to sign a contract to play at West Texas State. Terry Funk was right there. Uh, I mean, largely, you know, like, uh, you know, he's the one that talked to the school and got him to give me a recruiting trip and that whole deal. And, um, uh, so I, I went to West Texas State and uh, I played ball there for three years and uh, uh, I got married, got divorced, you know, and, and, and uh, but my relationship with Terry, uh, more than anybody, I mean, again, the whole Funk family. I, I love my, my mother and Terry's mother. Terry's mother's name was Dorothy. And they were the best of friends, you know. And, uh, I mean, I remember when I, I first went went in there, my mom went with me. And in my graduation present from my mother and grandmother was a, uh, well, it was it was the down payment on a brand new uh, 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 Chevy Nova. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a new car, and so uh, my mom went with me, and her and Dor- Dorothy were the best of friends, and uh, just I don't know, just so many special memories with the Funks. But but Terry, um, and again, I'm not taking anything away from Dory Dory Funk Jr. Again. I consider him one of the, the best ever. I mean, I, I remember watching Dory Jr. wrestle Jack Briscoe uh, in Amarillo uh, for an NWA world title match. And they went one hour to a, to a draw. They went Broadway. We call it Broadway, going Broadway. Mm-hmm. And uh, But everybody was on their feet because uh, it was such an uh, unbelievable match. Uh, but again, Terry, Terry could do that and he did that very well, but he could also, he could shake it up, buddy. You know, he could be an orangutan. Um, Truly like one of a kind as a performer, there's, there's really not another Terry Funk out there. You know, a a lot of times, you know, nowadays people make comparisons between uh, modern wrestlers and wrestlers of the, of the old days. It's really hard to compare anybody to Terry Funk. He was, he was just cut from a whole different cloth. Was he not? I totally agree. 
and it was, um, and the Funks um, had developed a relationship with All Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, uh, now there's there's two. Originally, there was just one organization in Japan. And by this time, there were two. There was All Japan Pro Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling. One of the guys from All Japan, you know, he 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 cut cut out and he wanted to do his whole thing. His name his, his name was Antonio Inoki. But uh, so All Japan Pro Wrestling was largely all of the all of the foreign uh, talent was booked by the Funks pretty much for All Japan Pro Wrestling, and so. You know, once again, I, you know, I take my first trip to Japan in, uh, and I started in the summer of 75. Um, and my, you know, uh, and, and, and didn't go back and finish college and, and, and Vicky Funk, Terry's, uh, wife who passed away five years ago. Oh, she, she loved me, but she was so mad at me for not finishing school. And I, I get it. I get it. You, you idiot. You had one year left, <laughs> you know, one year, you know, you know, one year it's going to be over. And, but I, I just, I didn't, wouldn't listen. And I was hard at it. Uh, and, uh, and I got in a business, but you know, again, uh, the influence of the funk family, um, and that helped me, um, um, my first trips to Japan were basically because they got me, they got me booked, you know, they got me booked and, you know, they, oh, golly, man. I, oh, wow. Marcus. <laughs> I found that photo as I was doing research. Uh, to me, you look like you had just started in the business just based on your face there. Oh, I would guess that this is somewhere around 75, 76. Would you say yeah. that that's accurate? Yeah. That's it. About, about 76. Got, uh, for, for our listening audience, uh, I'm showing a picture of Ted in the ring next to Terry Funk with Giant Baba uh, across from them. And it's, I mean, go check out our YouTube channel for nothing else just to see this photo because it's a really cool photo of the, of three legends there in the uh, ring together. Yeah. Wow. That was your first trip to Japan? That was, that was my first trip and Terry was on it. Yeah, because... Uh, <laughs> He gave me a little advice about that, you know, uh, getting getting through customs on the way home because we were paid in cash. <laughs> <laughs> how did you How did you get past that? <laughs> uh, it's kind of like you know, well, you know, you you know, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta show them a little bit, but don't show them all of it. So what you're not going to show them, put in your shoe. <laughs> This was uh, long before the days of you having to take your shoes off in the airport. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Terry was so influential in your career. And I mean, I'm sure that there were many, many instances where he's offered advice. Uh, however, I'm, I'm going to ask, let's see if you can come up with one. What would you say is the, the most significant advice that Terry Funk ever gave you? Hmm. Um. Every time I had an issue, every time I had a major decision to make that concerned my wrestling career, I, I remember when I went up when uh, when Vince McMahon um, had me up, and uh, I mean I I had made one trip 
Trump uh, trip up there, and, and he he laid it out. But he didn't lay it out. He basically he said, "I've got this idea, Ted," and he said, "It's never been done before. That so many things have been done and redone." And he says, "I think that you're the guy for it. You, you, you interview well. You're you're great in the ring. You can do this." And uh, but. Um, you know, he's, uh, I said, well, what is it like, Ted, I, I, I can't tell you until, I mean, you got to have enough faith in me to just sign the contract. And I said, well, I said, I, I really, I really want to do this. I said, but, um, uh, it's a major decision. So I, I need to think about it for a couple of days. And so he said, okay, well, when I left there, the first phone call I made was to Terry Funk. And I laid it out to Terry. I said, here, here's, here's what the deal is. And, uh, what do you think? And he said, he said, Teddy, he says, if, if, uh, Vince McMahon says he's got a brand new idea and it's never been done before and he thinks you're the guy for it, pack your bag, kiddo, and don't look back, go for it. Absolutely. And, uh, and of course I thought that's what he was going to say anyway, but, that's how much respect I had for Terry and his knowledge of, you know, the psychology of wrestling. And, uh, uh, you know, he was just there. He was, he was, you know, always there for me. I mean, I can remember like when I uh, was in college and, uh, oh, you know, like, and I, I got, you know, I'd gotten married, uh, my, to my first wife and uh, uh, you know now I'm not living in the dorm I'm living off campus and, uh, and it's kind of like her her salary is basically paying our rent now everything else you know my schooling and everything else was free but pretty much we're, we're living off of, her, of my first wife's income and uh, Terry I can just I can remember one time as you know this is crazy, but we, anyway, I don't know where, and I can't remember where we were, but we walked in, you know, it had to be a wrestling show somewhere. And so, but we, we walk into the bathroom at the same time and we're, and we're standing side by side at, at, at urinals. Right. <laughs> and he takes a hundred dollar bill and he puts it in my, in my, uh, my the pocket on my, uh, on my shirt. And he would, he would, he would do things like that occasionally. He would always, you know, give me a little money here and there. A true, like, big brother, little brother relationship between the two of you. Almost like a father figure, even, at, at yeah. times, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned Bray Wyatt here at the top. This this full episode is going to be about Terry Funk. But, uh, Ted, I, I don't want to let it slip by uh, before we, we really dive in deep on Terry Funk. Wyndham Rotunda, uh, such a talented performer, a young man born in just 1987 and, and tragically gone, life cut short. Uh, did you have a lot of time around Wyndham? I, I, didn't, ha I didn't have a, a lot of time around Wyndham. Uh, but I, I know but, but Wyndham... And my younger son, Brett, you know, who had been in training for a while. And then, you know, he, uh, you know, he had his own health issues that, you know, you know, I mean, it's like he, I, I don't know how many, it's like, he, it's like every time he would get well, he'd get hurt again. And so finally I said, you know, you, you're not going to be able to do this. And so, uh, but, 
with Wyndham, you know, during the time that he was in, in training, you know, back when, you know, when they, this was after they started the wrestling school. Uh, Wyndham was like his, one of his best friends. And uh, it's like, uh, and I, I thought the kid was, you know, he's a great kid. Hey, man, Mike Rotunda, you know, you know, is a, is a good, you know, it's like, there's a lot of, you know, decent people. And there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people on my, you know, you might even say, oh man, they're a great wrestler, but oh my gosh, you know, it's not somebody you want to hang out with <laughs> type of deal. But, um, but, uh, you know, Mike was a, a stand up, stand out person and a good friend and, uh, and, and, you know, and his kids are, his kids are great. Uh, and I just, you know, I, I, I called Mike and, uh, I mean, I just got to speak with him briefly, you know, and, uh, and he's, I guess he's, he's holding up as good as you could. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, I've got my son, Brett is 35. Uh, like I said, Brett, it was right there with, with Wyndham when, when they were in training and, uh, and I knew that, you know, through the grapevine that this September, you know, um, you know, Wyndham was scheduled to go back and they were going to do something big with him. And uh, it's just sad. It's just, you know, uh, we're not supposed to bury our children. It's not supposed to happen that way. And it's just... Um, I just can't even imagine that. I mean, when I, when I first, when I, and both those things, I mean, Terry, because of my relationship, you know, I've done a lot of crying, you know, and, and real men do cry mm -hmm. uh, for both of those things. I mean, for, for Mike and his wife. And, you know, I mean, I thought about, gosh, you know, what if somebody came to the door and told me that my son, Brett was dead? Oh, I just, what? Just, uh, I don't know, buddy. I just can't. You can't put into words. Heartbreaking. Yeah, there's not any, there's not words sometimes to express what you feel. No, and and look, there's no words that are going to make what these families, both Terry's and Wyndham's, are going through. There's, there's no words that's going to make anything any better. But you know, I do believe in the power of prayer and positivity, and I think that you know both both of these families need those from from the wrestling world at large, and they have that support from their friends and and their remaining family. But uh, you know, uh, I'm it's it's been incredible watching the wrestling community at large come together and uh, you know honor the memories of both of these men. Yeah. Wednesday, this Wednesday, my wife and I are going to, uh, we're going to drive. We're going to drive back to Texas. And uh, um, I, I believe the, uh, the, the visiting, the, you know, the, the, the visiting where the, the, the people can come by and, you know, pray, you know, wish the family well and the viewing, so to speak. Is on Thursday of next week, and the Friday Friday is the uh, is the funeral itself. And you know, it was just five years ago that I basically uh, and I been like officiated, but you know, like was like uh, uh, I guess gave the eulogy for 
Vicki, Terry's wife. And um, um, somebody else we know very well, who um, I understand became very close to Terry as well, um, is, is going to be there. You know who I'm talking about? I don't. Who who are you referring to? Uh, he he had three different characters. <laughs> I, I think I know who you're talking about now. It's got to be Mick Foley, right? Mick Foley, yeah. And the, and I you know I love Mick too. Mick's a good guy. And somewhere along the way, you know, and I, he and I have never really had the time to, to sit down and, and 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 talk about it. But he and Terry got to be really really close. Yes. And. Um, um, I guess, you know, had gone out to visiting there in Phoenix and that, that's something that I had meant to, meant to do, but just circumstances of life and this and that, and whatever. And I, and I wanted to really bad because I've got family out there, but, um, and he really hadn't been in Arizona, you know, uh, that long, you know, I, I know he didn't really, he didn't really like it. Because he, you know, he, you know, he, you know, you know, Texas was his home, and you know, another guy that you wouldn't know, but was went to school with Terry, played football with Terry, and then was my freshman coach at West Texas State. It was a guy named Ronnie Mankin, and Ronnie Mankin passed away not too long ago, and I was just like, gosh, just blown away. It came out of nowhere, um, so. I'm glad you're getting to go out there and, uh, you know, have the opportunity to, to pay your final respects to Terry Funk because, you know, certainly he meant a lot to you and meant a lot to your career. And, you know, I, I think that we can say unequivocally that uh, without Terry Funk, there would not be a million dollar man Ted DiBiase. There wouldn't be the wrestling career that you have today. So, yeah. I mean, you know, a friend, a mentor and just man uh, responsible for, for a lot of the blessings that you enjoy today. Yeah. And I'm just one. I'm just one of many, I think, that uh, that, ter that Terry's influence, you know, uh, made a difference in their in their in their careers. I'm just one of, one of many, I think. And you mentioned uh, Mick Foley, and you know, it's yes, Mick. It's it's funny because you view uh, Terry as a mentor. So does Mick Foley. Uh, however, you and Mick Foley as, as wrestlers, very, very different guys, uh, yeah, you know, certainly very different styles. So, uh, -huh. uh we probably aren't going to get well, to I'll put it this way. Uh, Mick, <laughs> Mick and Terry got along real well because like Terry, Mick was the wild orangutan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> If that makes any sense, it certainly does. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's you know, you said that you uh, you hadn't really had many occasions to talk to Mick Foley, and I don't really see us having a lot of opportunities to talk about him here on the podcast, just because you guys didn't really cross paths much in your careers. Uh, Mick and his style, you know, it's it kind of ushered in this this uh, different sort of style of wrestling and some kind of high risk, reckless at times um, yeah. wrestling. What what do you think of Mick's style? Well, I mean, you know, hey, I, I think the world of Mick, I mean, uh, uh, you know, regardless of style and in and, and, and which which way, you know, he does, he, he he's a, he's the best at what he does. 
I mean, in my opinion, in, in terms of that style, I, I, I couldn't think of anybody uh, that ever did a better job or it was more, you know, that's whole, the whole thing is, you know, you know, make it, make it real, you know, make it believable <laughs> and <laughs> make, make me know how to do that. And, uh, but, you know, but in, in real life, you know, one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet him. It's kind of like, uh, you know, we, you know, we weren't, you know, like, like we weren't ever there that, you know, I mean, like when I was coming up, you know, Mick, Mick came after me, you know what I'm, what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's a kind of two separate generations of, of yeah. wrestling and, you know, again, two very different uh, philosophies when it comes to wrestling, but man, you know, when, you know, you said, make it real, uh, one of the best ways to make it real is to actually really do the stuff. And that's what, <laughs> that's what Mick Foley was doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, guys, let's take a quick break to talk about taking care of some serious business. And I'm talking about taking care of business in the bedroom. And if you're trying to take care of business, you need to try Blue Chew. Guys, let's just take a minute to talk about sex. You remember back in the day when you were always ready to go? Well, with a little help from Blue Chew, you can get that thing so hard you could take it hunting. It's going to help increase your performance and regain that old confidence in bed. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready when the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And you want to know the best part? It's all done online. No awkward visits to the doctor's office, no weird conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy anymore. Blue Chew's tablets are made right here in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. But of course, there will be nothing discreet about your package. Look, guys, I ordinarily like to try things before I make any kind of a commitment, you know, because you want to find out, is this actually going to work? Will it work for me? Well, that's good. That's got to be the best part of this whole thing. With our deal, you can try it for a month for free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. This whole time, you and your partner may have been having the best sex of your whole life and been missing out on it without even knowing. So why not just give Blue Chew a shot? Just find out. You know when you can get it for a month for free with only $5 shipping? It's silly not to just give it a try. Women are attracted to confidence and Blue Chew can help to give you confidence where it counts the very most. Don't wait any longer. Let's chew it and do it. Take advantage of our special deal. Again, you can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code EGAP at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code EGAP, and receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Um, well, so 1975, Terry became the NWA champion, which is at the time is pretty much just the highest honor in the sport. Um, and it really cool to see him in that role. And it's a lot of responsibility and a lot of travel. Ted, your mentor here becoming NWA champion. What did you think? Oh, and couldn't, couldn't have gone to a better guy. I mean, uh, you know, 75, 75 is when I, and again, the summer of 75 is when I went to work for cowboy bill Watts, you know, in, in mid South wrestling. And, um, and that was just, I think. I think Bill had just gone up there and, and, and became partners with the other promoter of, of that area, which was Leroy McGurk. 
Now, when it was Leroy McGurk's territory, it was, I think it was just Oklahoma and Arkansas. And then the cowboy came along and he says, we're going to, we're going to join, we're going to join these. And the other one was Louisiana, Mississippi. And so that became one big territory Mid-South. And that, that was that summer 75 when, when Terry became the NWA champion. Yes. Yes. So he would have become champion somewhere around, I, I believe it was December. And I think he wow. held it until February, somewhere in there. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, he cited fatigue just due to all of that travel. And I think that it put strain on his marriage with Vicky, uh, you know, because he was constantly on the road. Um, and so yeah. he wound up dropping it to Harley race um, in Canada. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's running around, you're starting your career. Are you getting to spend much time with him when he's the NWA champion or is he just, Oh no, I, not when he was champion like that, you know, that's, you know, I could, I could see, you know, um, why you know why Vicky would get mad? Because he's gone all the time. I mean, all the time. He and Vicky, you know, they uh, they were college sweethearts. I mean, you know, they. I mean, uh, I think I think Mary. They got married before Terry actually got was was wrestling. You know, I mean, uh, she was a cheerleader. I think at, at West Texas State, and uh, and that's I think I think if I my memory serves me well that's that's where they met and they got married and and uh it's kind of like um well I, again my first my first wife was her name was Jeanette and I had known her for, since the sixth grade and ran into her when I went back there and uh you know so we dated and we got we got married. And that's another thing that Terry told me. He said I should have waited a little bit longer. And it was, it was more that it wasn't so much. It was more that she couldn't take the business. In other words, and, and, and quite frankly, I understand because uh, now when they're in Amarillo and, and you're in your familiar territory and you have a lot of friends and everything, that's not so hard. But when you go with a, a, and like when I went to New York, uh, okay, I went, I, I was there for like, I wasn't even there quite a year, but I was gone every day, you know, or I, you know, I would come back to an apartment, but my wife was in this apartment every day, all day long with nothing to do. Mm. I mean, uh, it was, you know, this is back when I'm still, I've got one car. I don't it's a, it was, wasn't like she had another car and she, you know, it was like if I had to drive, she was stuck there with, with, with without without wheels. Oh wow! I mean, that's hard. And uh, you know, I mean, you know, you know, you know, years and years have gone by. I, I said we're probably better friends now than we were when we were married. How about that? You know, but um, uh, it's again, it's 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 a hard life, especially. You know, and if we'd have had, if we'd have been a two-car family by then, I don't know if that would have made any difference either. Uh, but then, um, when I went, when I went back to Amarillo, things got better for a while because we were now in a familiar territory. I mean, it's like this is where she had, had grown up. It's where I met her originally, and. Uh, and she had a lot of friends and I can remember, uh, 
uh, I, well, actually, Vicky, Vicky was with her when she was, you know, she got pregnant. And when she got pregnant, I think she was all, almost afraid to tell me. And I, I, don't, I didn't understand that. Maybe, you know, maybe because, you know, oh, my gosh, we're going to have the baby now. This is going to cost us more and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Vicky was with her uh, when, when, she, when she told me that, you know, you're, you're going to be a dad. You know, and I just, I was just all thrilled. I said, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Great. Hallelujah. You know, I said, we'll work, we'll work, we'll work, work it out. You know, so she, you know, she didn't get the response she thought she was going to get. But again, Vicki, Terry Funk, another Funk <laughs> was, was there. I mean, they were, they were like, yeah, they, they're almost like second parents to me. Terry would announce in Japan in 1981 that he intended to retire by 1983. Uh, and that didn't quite work out, did it? Terry Funk made a, he, he made a career out of retiring. <laughs> 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 this is my retirement match. And then he'd come back. Which uh, this is the retirement match. And then he come back again, <laughs> which happened over and over and over again. And it's yeah, like yeah. only Terry Funk could get away with doing that and not having the, the crowd turn on him just because he's Terry and people people loved him. Um, in 1985, uh, Terry, of course, had not retired. Uh, he would make his way to the WWF and even work with Hulk Hogan. Uh, so for context, the Hulkamania run just started in 1984. And now here's Terry and he's getting the chance to work with the biggest star in professional wrestling. Um, I know you you yourself had been on the road at this time. Did you get to see any of what uh, Terry was doing there in the WWF? Uh, no, but <laughs> I remember I, I remember he un, uh, unceremoniously left. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the circumstances surrounding it? I, I don't remember the circumstances, but it was something like he left he left Vince this funny note, something about. He says, I had to go home. My 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 uh, my horse was something. <laughs> so what you're referencing is a couple of years later, he was, uh, I want to say it was like Survivor Series 93 or something. Um, and he was supposed to be on a team with, with Shawn Michaels and he was going to be under a hood. And I guess he got cold feet at the last minute and he, he left Vince a note like, my horse is sick. I'll see you later. I think it said something like that. Yeah. Um, so just incredible. Uh, but yeah, that, that would have been uh, the second time he left Vince. So I think that this first time in 1985, I want to say that he may have left to go to Hollywood because some opportunities were springing up out there. Yeah, he did that movie um, uh, with uh, Roadhouse. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone. Oh, Over the Top came first. Over the Top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. And then, and then I think Roadhouse was it over the top first. It was over the top first, and then he was also uh, he had a recurring role in a TV show called Wild Side. And then another brief uh, thing in Roadhouse. Yes. Yeah. So like, yeah, like I think he was maybe he could be an actor, and you know that didn't pan out either. You know, <laughs> did he ever did he talk to you much about his ambitions in Hollywood? Like, was he trying to transition out of wrestling and into acting full time? Well, no, you know, he's just, you know, he just, you know, like if, if he could, you know, if he, if he could, if he, you know, it's like, kind of like 
I don't, I wouldn't say it's easier out there, but I mean, it's easier on your body for sure. It's, you know, everybody else would take, would be taking bumps for you, except that match that he had with that guy in over the, uh, in that first, what was it over the top? So, uh, yes, over the top was, was where he was arm wrestling Stallone. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but, uh, the one that you were in, uh, was paradise alley, right? And paradise that was, alley. That was 1978. Uh, so he that was years prior to this, but he had a match in Paradise Alley. I think that's what Paradise Alley was about. It yeah, was wrestling, like, right? Yeah, you know, like it all, all, uh, all this, the, 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 uh, kind of like all these tough guys from Hell's Kitchen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Of I which you were one. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah. I, I just, you know, you know, you, you could go back and watch that movie and it's like, oh, there he goes. You know, <laughs> I was an extra. I'm going to go seek it out because I want to see yeah. you on the screen. Um, yeah. Well, so, Ted, I think a lot of fans would argue that the best work of Terry's career came in 1989 when he was in WCW working with Ric Flair. Um, I know you were busy doing your own thing as a million dollar man at the time. What would you say represents Terry's best work? If you were going to say, go out of your way to watch one match, I don't know, maybe it wasn't even televised. I didn't get to see him work with uh, with Flair, but I, 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 oh gosh, that had to be great. Man, uh, it's unbelievable matches. He did he did an I Quit match with Flair at one of the Clash of the Champions. And holy smokes, uh, if you if you get the opportunity, it's on YouTube. Uh, go and seek it out because, man, what a hell of a match between those two. Well, well and then he uh, then he did the th he did the thing with uh, oh gosh, uh, Memphis Jerry, Jerry. Lawler. Yeah, they, they had a match in an empty building. The true story. They, they had a match. They had a match in a ring in a building with no crowd. And, and tore it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, for my money, I think that, that that might be the definitive Terry Funk match is the yeah. empty arena match with, with Jerry Lawler. Uh, I mean, because, I mean, think about that. Think about having a match with somebody because, you know, what you do is you play off the crowd mm -hmm. and there was no crowd to play off of. So you just had to wing it. <laughs> That's tough. So man. Talented but, couple uh, guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very, very much. So, um, he's just the one, the one guy that was always there. You know, anytime I had a question, Anytime I doubted something, I I was calling Terry because Terry's to me had all the all the answers and and uh, and like I said before, I mean, like his brother, I mean Dory Junior is absolutely one of the most. I mean, he's a great wrestler. Oh my! I mean, like I said, I watched it. I watched him and Briscoe have an hour long Broadway, which means they went an hour to a draw. But imagine entertaining a crowd for an hour. They're up and they're down. And they're up and they're up and they're down. And 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 and, and then it ends in a draw, and, and and the people want to see more. Wow! I mean, Joe, Junior could wrestle like that, but Junior never was the uh, 
the wild, crazy guy that Terry could be. And that's that's what I mean when I say Terry had Terry could do everything. You know, and he like you said, he could be the most scientific wrestler on the mat, and or he could be the, the wildest, craziest heel in the world in the in the West. So. He had that fire to him where his matches, once he would kind of get going and you could see that kind of look in his eye, like yeah. it, it looked like a shoot. Like it looked like, oh, Terry, Terry wants to kill this guy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fun to watch him, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as he got older, he was not slowing down. He wound up in Japan with Mick Foley, of course, and he's doing these death matches with barbed wire ropes and explosives and thumbtacks. Um, and here, you know, he was talking about retiring in 1983 and now he's over here in Japan, just putting his body through it. Um, just doing some crazy stuff. Uh, when he was schooling you up as a young man, uh, did he ever talk to you about proper procedures in, in a death match, Ted? Uh, no, <laughs> I <can't>. <laughs> no, <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine he would. Uh, what I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Did you ever see any of Terry's work in Japan or in ECW? Well, now the work that I saw in Japan is he was just wrestling. He, you know, he wasn't. You know, he had. You know, he. You know, he hadn't done any. He did. I never saw him do any wild, crazy match in Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, but I guess that came later, and I wasn't there. At the time, he's like fifty-one years old. What, what do you think was the motivation for Terry at this time to uh, continue to to abuse himself like that? Your guess is as good as mine, Marcus. I have no <laughs> idea. I mean, that was just Terry. But yeah, uh, he wasn't done yet. Ninety-seven, he returned to the WWF as Chainsaw Charlie. Um, then you know he'd end up in ECW, WCW until they closed Chainsaw down. Charlie, <laughs> <laughs> did, did you see him as Chainsaw Charlie at all? No, I didn't. <laughs> You're unfamiliar with I'm, his. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, I must have missed a lot because I never even heard that name. I'll pull up the photo here of him. He came out of a box. Uh, it was on like Raw or something. They put him in this. There was this giant wooden box that they put up on stage. And all of a sudden you hear a chainsaw roaring. He cut his way out of the box. He was wearing jeans, suspenders, like a long sleeve red shirt. And he had pantyhose over his head. I'm not joking. <laughs> with like with like baby powder and stuff inside of it for some reason. <laughs> that's that's him as chainsaw charlie <laughs> complete with pain no, no wonder he and mick got to be such good friends <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and they were tag team partners up there and like he just man he was not slowing down uh he would end up going back to ecw wcw he even came back to, to the WWF in 2006 at the age of 62 and continued to perform there, most notably on ECW One Night Stand on pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, so in 2009, he would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame along with his brother, Dory. What did it mean to you, to you know, for the Funks to receive this incredible honor of going into the WWE Hall of Fame? Well, I just, I think it was awesome. I mean, uh, although, you know, like here, you know, Dory Jr., uh, I don't think ever really wrestled for them. Uh, you know, and, and Terry, obviously he, he did, you know, but it's kind of like, um, you know, it's like it's wrestling talent, you know, and it's, 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 it's talent that, you know, uh, that any wrestling organization should 
adhere to. In other words, you know what, you know, they, 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 you know, in my book, they're on top anywhere. Absolutely. You know, like if, if all Japan pro wrestling had a, a hall of fame, they should be in that one. You know, I mean the funks. Yeah. No question. And, you know, and, 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 and like, and getting back to cowboy Bill Watts, I mean, Bill was, in my opinion, probably one of the greatest promoters ever. And if you asked Bill where he learned it, he would tell you that he learned it from Eddie Graham. And then uh, I think I had a conversation with Terry one day and uh, and he said, Teddy, and guess where Eddie Graham learned it? And I said, where, Terry? He said, from my dad. How about that? <laughs> yeah. So. Fingerprints all over the wrestling business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, certainly a, a deserving honor. Uh, so, Ted, we're almost near the end here. Terry would return to the Indies and remain active. Get this, until 2017. 2017 was his last match. Um, so, Ted, I'm sure you were crossing paths with him at signings and whatnot along the way. Uh, were you talking to him about how he was continuing to perform up until the age of 73? Yeah, I just tell him you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, I love you, but you're crazy. You're, you know, but, you know, Terry's just, you know, and, and here's the thing. Terry's such a good worker that, you know, Terry knew how to go out and have a match. And it's like he, he could get more out of you know what I'm saying? He could get more out of, of, of less. In other words, you know, Terry could go out and have a great match and really not overexert himself. Yep. If that makes any sense to you. It does. He could just go out there and get that look on his face and throw some punches. He doesn't have to take any bumps, and the crowd would love it. I'm sure he'd have him eaten out of the palm of his hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Ted, when was the last time that you had the opportunity to speak with Terry? Do you recall? You know, um, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure when it was, but I know that, uh, at the time, uh, you know, they, um, uh, they had, they had moved him into a facility, uh, somewhere in the Amarillo area. Mm-hmm. And he really wasn't happy about that because, you know, he, he would obviously rather be at home. And it's kind of like I understood how he felt, but I also understood how his daughters felt. I mean, you know, they're, you know, they're more concerned with his, uh, you know, what I'm saying, his safety and, and well-being and, he was in, but he was in Amarillo and, and then, um, you know, I guess the girls decided to move him out to, to Phoenix. And I, and I think he was really unhappy about that move, but you know, it's by that time. And I don't know, um, you know, I don't know how dementia works and you know how long it goes but i you know i know one of the last pictures that i saw of terry i i almost didn't recognize him because mm. he, had, he had he was so thin you just no I, I don't know it was crazy um 
and I don't remember remember where that where I saw that picture, but I said, "Gosh, that doesn't look like the guy I knew." And uh, and I but and the, and you know I would call him from time to time, and uh, and he would complain about. It. He says, "I just want to be. I'd rather be at home." You know, and it, but you know what he didn't understand, and his and his girls did, is that he really wasn't capable of being at home by himself. Right. And so. I guess that's, I don't know if that's something that comes with dementia. So. Well, certainly, you know, wouldn't want to want him to be in a position where he'd be in danger, even if he yeah. did get that independence, like, yeah. you know, you yeah. fall down or something. And I mean, that could be the end of it. So no, yeah. his daughter's hearts were in the right place. Um, yeah. Ted, final question of the week. What do you think Terry's legacy in professional wrestling is? Oh my gosh. I mean, uh, I mean, he should go down in history as one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. I mean, and it's kind of like every wrestler uh, has a, a style. Okay, for example, Mick Foley. The reason Mick and Terry ended up getting along so well is because Terry had, Terry had an equally out-of-the-box, you know, like, you know, perspective. And then there's mankind, <laughs> you know, and so, and so they, they had that thing in common, you know, but mankind is what, that's what made Mick Foley. But Terry, the out of the box orangutan could also get on the mat with you and be the most scientific wrestler. That's why I say Terry Funk is a wrestler who could do it all. He could wrestle with you or he, or, or he could, you know, or he could be, uh, the wild, crazy gorilla. He could, he could do it all. And, uh, no, no one deserves to be in a hall of fame in every wrestling pro wrestling hall of fame. There is nobody deserves it, in my opinion, more than Terry Funk. As I said it earlier, I, you know, I try to think of a comparison for Terry Funk. I can't really come up with one. He was just so, such a unique performer and uh, such a giving person, you know, yeah. uh, to people like yourself, Mick Foley, I'm sure he mentored plenty of people along the way. Um, and, you know, his legacy is one that's going to last forever. I'm sure that yeah. our listeners will agree that, you know, we wish we wish all of those that loved him all the best, yeah. you know, during this this awful time. One of the greatest of all time. And I'm going to I'll be leaving uh, for Texas Wednesday and uh, I, I will be there say goodbye he's gone um but man it's hard to think of of people who lived a, a life quite as full as his am i right man you're right you're right ted i appreciate you opening up here today to talk to us about your friend yeah. and mentor and and i'm sorry for your loss in this i know it's it's got to be difficult on you yeah it, this one this one was really more than more than any other i mean it's kind of like um it's it's you know, I have an older and younger brother. It'd be like it'd be like losing one of them. Exactly how it is. It's and it's and it's equal. It's almost it's 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 like a, a brother relationship. But in some ways, especially in those first couple of years, it was almost like a father figure. You know, like anyway, man. 
it's 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 tough and you know uh certainly we'll we'll be talking about terry funk here more on the podcast uh i'm I'm sure there are plenty more stories left to tell and your experiences with him we'll cover all of it and uh ted again again thank you and guys we'll catch you next week right here on everybody's got a pod